Welcome to the Marriage Medicine Podcast, the place where busy physicians like you learn how to create marriages they love without sacrificing their commitment to medicine. I am your host, Dr. Sarah Roxa, full-time physician, marriage, and life coach, here to share with you all of the tools I have learned and use every day to create a marriage and home life that are a joy to return to at the end of the day. Are you ready to enjoy time with your partner and up-level your marriage in every way? Welcome. I am so excited to be on this journey with you. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Marriage Medicine Podcast. Today, I'm bringing you a bonus episode to the series on feelings. I'm calling it bonus because I decided to add it right in the middle of recording last week's episode. You may be wondering by now, why does she keep harping on feelings when this podcast is supposed to be about creating a marriage I love to come home to? Well, let me remind you. One, love is a feeling. Number two, many of the physicians and healthcare humans I have met, including myself, need gentle reminders or retraining in feeling our feelings after going through the rite of passage that is medical training. And... Number three, I promise that feeling our feelings is relevant to building a marriage that you love. In today's episode, we're going to talk about why that is and why feelings are our greatest ally. But first, (laughs) in my stream of consciousness that just brought the words rite of passage out of my mouth, I'm going to have to mention a book that I'm excited to start. I have no idea if it is good or how I'm going to feel about it once I read it but I'm excited about it anyway. It's called Doctor to Healer, The Transformative Journey. I'm excited about it for two reasons. One, my mom gave it to me. And two, it is written by an anthropologist, Robbie Davis Floyd, whose book, Birth as an American Rite of Passage, now maybe you see the connection, (laughs) was transformative in my journey through midwifery into medicine in my 20s. So now you have a little glimpse into what my family contends with daily as my stream of thoughts flows out of my mouth, often with very little filter. I'm going to recommend, even if anthropologic history of birth in the United States does not sound like pleasure reading to you, that every doctor should at some point read the chapter in this book called Obstetric Training as a Rite of Passage. It lays out all of medical training, not just obstetrics, as a ritualized induction into the paradigm of medicine. I'm tempted to stop recording to see if my old copy made the 6,000 mile move with us and reread at least that chapter with a quarter of a century of lens changing life experience and having given birth in the middle of my medical training to two children. If I do find it, I won't be surprised if Robbie Davis Floyd resurfaces in later episodes of this podcast because echoes of her book often come into my mind as I observe and participate in the culture shift that's happening in medicine right now as we come to the critical mass where the hegemony shifts the majority into the model of population health and value-based payment structures. Thanks for going down that little rabbit trail with me. I don't think I realized what an influence that book had had on my young brain. I will be super curious if I am able to find it, what I think of it (laughs) 25 years later. um, Do you have a book that you are looking forward to reading or loving right now? If so, I would love to hear about it. Okay, 
So back to feelings. Feelings are our friends. As I was wrapping up the last episode, I realized I might not have explicitly said why learning or remembering to be aware, name, feel, and process our feelings is so important. What do I mean when I say feelings are my friends? In our culture and in medicine, we are conditioned to control and contain our feelings. How often were we told as children, don't cry, it's okay. How many times as an adult have you convinced yourself that you were okay when you weren't? We do it all the time. We set our own needs and desires aside in order to not stir the pot, to keep the peace. And often just because it feels easier in the moment. But our emotions, our feelings are the way our nervous system communicates with us. Through our feelings, feelings being the integrated interpretation our nervous system has made of our circumstances, the meaning comes into our awareness. In the simplest form, our emotions are how our body gets our mind's attention. I'm not a fan of thinking of my mind and body as separate, but this is a common way to talk about our experience. So I think it's useful. I like to think of my nervous system as fully integrated with my body like a jellyfish in my head with all of its tentacles intercalated into the tissues of my body, all of it busy making sense of my world unconsciously. So what is your body and its integrated nervous system telling your conscious mind? Our feelings tell us all kinds of things. Tuning into them allows us to be in deeper connection and work together with the conscious and unconscious ways we understand our experience. Paying attention to and learning the language of emotion gives us direct access to a whole new layer of wisdom that lives within us. As we learn to listen, allow, and process our feelings, we begin to be able to discern the meaning of the messages. With discernment, we begin to know what we want to interpret as our inner wisdom and what may be a sign of a dysregulated nervous system. Either way, we have learned something useful and important. When we begin to see our feelings as messages from our nervous system, we can stop making our feelings be a problem. They can become useful information. My body, my nervous system, my unconscious mind doesn't like that or feels threatened or heightened or excited or aroused or calm or ready. Now I have information that can inform what I want to do next. If I notice I'm starting to feel anger rising in an argument with my partner, what happens if I slow down to listen? Is my nervous system responding to something it perceives as a threat, an injustice? Did something that was said stir up a memory of my childhood? Can I listen to the message my body is giving me and what can I learn from it? Is it important for me to continue to get my message heard? Do I want to create space and take a break? Of course, at least at first, I am not doing all of this internal processing in real time in the middle of an argument. At first, it may happen in reflection. Over time, listening to our feelings early and often allows us to learn ways to get our message heard and our anger expressed in ways it can be received by both our partners and ourselves that create connection instead of distance. 
seeing our emotions as information or messages from our nervous system also makes them less scary or overwhelming. When I think of my feelings as messages from myself, it conjures up an image of a child tugging at my sleeve, the kind of image that reminds me to slow down and listen and ask, what do you need, honey? How can I help you? My feelings become an invitation from my inner self for attention, attentiveness, attunement. The more I listen, the more able I am to hear the message earlier. When the voice is softer, the feeling less intense. What does this look like? I think the most relevant example of this in my own life is with the feeling of overwhelm. It is easy for me to get overwhelmed with transitions. The transition of the weekend into the work week. The transition of getting out the door. The transition of the end of the workday to come home. In the workday, I make a habit of taking a breath and checking in between patients. One of the advantages of house calls is I have a lot of easy touch points in my day to check in. After I get into my car before I start driving, after I park, before I go into the next house, while I'm waiting for someone to answer the door. But if I were in clinic, it may be the breath I take in the few steps before I enter the next room or a momentary pause every time I sit down at a computer. This pause to check in with my feelings, with myself, allows me to hear my inner voice, my unconscious mind, my body speaking to me through my feelings when the voice is still soft. If I take the time, literally seconds, to notice that I'm feeling stretched to get to my next visit or with the notifications that are piling up in my in-basket, I have so many options. Sometimes it is enough just to reassure myself that I've heard the message. I can use my breath or my focus, other self-directed neuroplasticity tools to recenter. I can take a couple minutes to make space in my schedule later today or tomorrow to address the issue. My nervous system can reattune to knowing that I will take care of it. Seeing my feelings as friendly messages from my inner self keeps me in communication with me. I can be responsive. I can course correct early. I may notice the need to clarify boundaries, to say no, or to take time to celebrate. Again, the refrain of the last three episodes, we are not on a path to complete emotional regulation and only good feelings. Life is 50-50 in all of its iterations, and life is more interesting and exciting when we have a whole range of emotions, just like if you have a whole variety of friends. Some are high energy and intense, some are mellow and chill. Getting to know each of them makes our emotional lives richer. If you wouldn't call your relationship with your feelings friendly, what would it be like to start to believe it could be? Befriending our feelings is a pathway to coming into right relationship with ourselves. And when we are in right relationship with ourselves, it is much easier to build relationships that feel good. It is so fun to put this podcast together for you each week or whatever schedule feels like it's in flow. <laughs> it gives me time to ponder and process my journey of the last few years and attempt to distill it into something I hope is understandable and useful to others who are interested in building relationships that feel good. 
Thank you for listening to the Marriage Medicine Podcast. If you like what you're learning, please hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you.